Glad to be with you. Uh, just in case we haven't met yet, my name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here at Connect. And uh, I got the opportunity to speak with you this week while Dave is out of the country. Um, really excited about this opportunity to be with you. And just to continue this series called Identity Theft. And we've been talking about a couple different things the last few weeks. And um, so far, if you've missed it, I, I just want to catch you up just so you know where we're going, just so you know what this whole identity theft thing is all about. Uh, as soon as I heard the word identity theft, I don't know about you, but I was immediately drawn to that movie, Identity Thief, Melissa, Melissa McCarthy, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we're not talking about that. Um, we're not talking about the type of identity theft when someone steals your credit card in Encinitas, California, like has happened to my wife and I, and uh, <laughs> sent several hundred dollars on these random purchases, and I get a call from the credit card company like, did you really just buy 5,000 balloons? No, I didn't. Um, true story. It was the craziest thing ever. Not that type of identity theft, but, you know, there are certain things that happen in our lives that try to rob us of our identities. And specifically, as a follower of Christ, there are discouragements. There are disappointments. There are these situations in our lives that try to get to us and to rob us and to worry us and to consume us and for us to totally forget who we are. You know, maybe you've noticed how big of a topic identity has been the last week. And I know that we're not here this morning to discuss Bruce or Caitlin, but it's just too hot of a topic not to touch just for a second because the reality is that whether you're famous or whether you're, you know, just a normal person, whether you're rich, poor, whatever, we are all searching for our identity. We are. In some way, shape, or form, we are looking for meaning in our lives. We're looking for purpose. We are looking for our identity. And we're exploring this idea, this identity theft, and we hope that through this series that you will be encouraged that you will be inspired, that you will take a next step in your relationship with Jesus. Whether or not you're exploring faith or you've been a Christ follower all of your life, we hope that this series will be something that you find relevant to your life and that you can say, you know what, that really helped me this week. You know, we've been looking at different aspects of our identities as a Christ follower. First, we talked about being an alien. And as you know, our pastor, Dave Jane, he is from England, and so he's considered himself an alien at times. He is a legal alien, but, uh, but he gets it to like not totally fit in sometimes when you know, we're speaking the way that we speak or we're doing the things that we do here. Um, but he talks specifically about if we want to bless the world, we have to be different than the rest of the world. That's that whole identity, that part of being an alien. You're not being green or from outer space, but in order to bless the world, we have to be different than the rest of the world. And then last week, Dave talked about being a servant. And specifically, our circumstances don't get to decide for us whether or not we serve. Let me say that again. Our circumstances don't get to decide whether or not we serve. We can serve in spite of troubling or tough circumstances. And we've been using this guy's life. His name's Joseph. 
and not like Mary and Joseph, but Joseph that lived a long time ago in his life is found in the book of Genesis. And through the chapters 37 through 50, it's one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible. And I'm gonna get to talk a little bit about that with you this morning of why it's my favorite, but it's a starting point for us because Joseph went through a lot of stuff in his life and he had a lot of reasons to be robbed of his identity, but he stayed faithful no matter what. And this week, we're gonna be talking about reclaiming our identity to become or to be a missionary. A missionary, can you say that with me? Missionary, missionary. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever I think about a missionary, certain images come to my mind. I think about um, going to church growing up and we had these missionaries that our church supported called the Pioneer Bible Translators. And they literally lived in huts. And they translated the Bible into these languages that have never had the Bible written before. They lived among the people. They, you know, did things to fit in culturally. They really sacrificed the American way of living to live with these people to reach them. Pioneer Bible translators. What comes to mind for you when you think about a missionary? More than likely, you think about someone that's not necessarily here in Washington, Illinois, or in America. You think about foreign missions. Maybe you've been to a mission trip or, or you've supported someone that's a missionary that's far away. But I believe, and I hope you do too, that every person who says, I'm a follower of Christ, you actually sign up to be a missionary. And why is that? It's not that you necessarily have to go anywhere Maybe you need to stay. You don't have to go. Maybe you need to stay. But every person who goes public with their faith in Jesus is saying, I want to be a missionary. And in the very first pages of the first book of the Bible, Genesis, God gave Abraham and all of us our mission. Because really, that's all that a missionary is, is a person who has a mission. It doesn't have to be any more complex than that. In Genesis, it says, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And God was saying, as my blessed people, you will be missionaries wherever you go. And your mission is just to bless people all around you. Just to bless people. And I don't know if you completely remember all about Joseph's life, but you know, he had this special coat that signified that he was his dad's favorite son. But his brothers weren't so happy about that. He had 11 brothers. And 10 of them got together and said, hey, we're going to kill him. And then one of them said, eh, we probably shouldn't do that. So we're going to sell you into slavery instead. You know, that's a great consolation prize. But they sold him into slavery and he goes through this adventure of his life where over and over and over, he had plenty of opportunities to say, you know what, I'm done. I'm giving up. I know that like God has something special for my life, but I just don't see it happening. I'm going to do my own thing. But he didn't. He chose to stay faithful. And he wasn't he wasn't chosen to be sold into slavery. He never would have chosen to be falsely accused by his boss's wife of having an affair, but that happened. 
And Joseph never would have chosen to unjustly be thrown into prison for a crime that he didn't commit. He wouldn't have chosen any of that with his life. But I think that we know still to this day that oftentimes we have a plan for our life and then something different, you know, completely different happens. I like what Mike Tyson said, everybody's got a plan until they get punched. And that's how life is sometimes. You're like, man, I got this awesome plan. I'm gonna raise like the two most beautiful boys in the world. And then all of a sudden, stuff happens. And you have to reassess. And you have to say, you know what? I'm not going to be discouraged because life isn't always fair. But I wanna share a bottom line with you today that has so encouraged my life. It's something that I've been saying to myself every day recently. It keeps me going, and I hope that it'll help you too. It's our bottom line for today. If you have a why to live, you can bear almost any how. Let me say that again. If you have a why to live, you can bear almost any how. I'm gonna tell you who said that because I couldn't come up with something like that, but the guy that did that, it's, it's an amazing story, and I'll share that. But you know, I know as I look out into the crowd this morning as I talked with you before and I'll talk with you after, that some of us here today, when I say that, it's kind of hard for you to believe or to accept or to say, you know what, you're right. Because maybe for you right now, the how seems to be overshadowing the why in your life. Many of you know the how that my wife and I are going through right now. The how is how the heck do we figure out what is wrong with my wife? She's got this pain in her backside and uh, we think it's kidney related, it could be back related and several of you have been praying for her, and I wanna thank you so much for that. But the how is so overwhelming. The how is how can she keep going when it takes a lot of pain medicine just to be a wife and mother? The how can be really discouraging because you're like, God, why are you hating on me for? What did I do? It's frustrating. But I need you to know, because I'm being honest with you, the why is what keeps us going. The big picture, the clouds, the 30,000 foot perspective of, you know what? I really believe that God, when he says that I'm gonna work all things together for your good, we're gonna believe that. We are going to believe that. That's the why. But down in the dirt, clouds looking great, but down in the dirt, it's like, this is really messy. And I know that some of you are like that too. Whether or not it's you know, some big thing, a little thing, or somewhere in between, maybe you thought you wanted the job that you have until about right now. Or it could be reconciling a certain relationship that isn't going the way that you wanted it to. I don't know what the situation in your life, but the hows can be so overwhelming. But I pray that there would be a why in your life that would always keep you going. And we're gonna talk about that this morning. So Joseph, that's the guy that we're talking about, his life and we're learning from his life and we're seeing, okay, how can I apply this whole idea of identity theft I don't want my identity to be robbed. And Joseph, he was the great grandson of Abraham, who God gave him that clear mission of, I want you to bless the world. And he remembered that. I don't know about you, like, do you remember some of the stuff that your grandparents said when you were little? And like, I do. I remember 
my grandpa, I mean, all he did, like, all I remember is, like, he just talked about Rush Limbaugh all the time. I was like, Pop, stop it, man. Like, I'm 10. I'm just not into politics. But I'll never forget that. And I just have a feeling that, that Joseph was the same way, that he remembered those stories of his great-grandpa, Abraham, of saying, you know what, I'm gonna, God's going to bless us, and all the people of the earth will be blessed through us as well. Like Spider-Man, you know, the movie, with great power comes great responsibility. So God's going to bless us, and all the people of the earth should be blessed through us. So no matter what the circumstance, no matter what or where God sent him, wherever he ended up, his mission was always, how can I be a blessing to everyone that I meet? He knew why he was here on this earth. Listen how Joseph's time as a slave to Potiphar was described. From the time Joseph was put in Potiphar's house, the Lord blessed the household. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. He was living out God's mission for his life every day. He was a blessing. And if you look at the end of chapter 39, which I would encourage you, read his story sometime, it says the same thing about Joseph when he was in prison, a place that no one wants to be, that I've visited several people in prison, and they say the same thing, that there's just so much time to think about everything in your life and to be so introspective and like it consumes you that you're just thinking about your story and here Joseph is with this undetermined prison sentence and all he's doing is how can I bless somebody else? It's, it, it boggles my mind that he could do that. But I, I just think it's so cool that Joseph through God's leading he was able to help people while he was in prison, and specifically, he interpreted dreams. And I've, I have the craziest dreams, so I would love Joseph to interpret mine, but he interprets these people's dreams, and it changes one guy's life. Well, it changes both of their life. One died, and then the other one gets restored to his position in Pharaoh's court. And then two years go by, and one of his cellmates is now on the management team or the board of directors of the Pharaoh of Egypt. And he remembers, there's a guy who can interpret dreams, and my king, my Pharaoh, needs an interpretation. So the ex-con tells Pharaoh, I know a guy you should talk to. His name is Joseph. And so they go and get Joseph cleaned up. They bring him in before Pharaoh and, and listen to what happens next. Pharaoh says to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. And I feel like Joseph, man, he should have been like so cocky here, but he wasn't. He was humble. He says, I cannot do it, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. And this was a tense moment because I got to tell you, if he misinterprets this dream, he's dead. But God comes through, and he is a blessing to Pharaoh's life. And that's what is so cool, because in this dream that Pharaoh has, that Joseph interprets, this is like so huge in the whole history of Egypt's power. I mean, they were like a superpower for so long. And one of the reasons why is because of Joseph, because he heard this dream, and like, hey, there's going to be seven years of great yields of crops, 
And then there's going to be seven really bad years where it's just going to be terrible. And he gave Pharaoh um, some advice because Joseph had this wisdom that God gave him. And he blessed Pharaoh and all of Egypt and all the world because he just interpreted this dream and he did what God wanted him to do. He fulfilled his mission. I wish that we all had like a cool mission like that, but it doesn't have to be so, um, so big to make a huge impact. And so the seven years of great crops come, like God told Joseph, and there was, there was plenty of stuff that they could eat, and they stored it up. And, and then the years of famine came, and, and the families, they should have been starving to death, but Joseph blessed Egypt because he listened to God, because he was faithful to God's mission for his life. And when the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians. And all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. This is the most amazing thing that Joseph goes from in a pit to Potiphar's house where he's a slave. And then to prison. And then he is living in the palace with Pharaoh, second in command of all of Egypt. And when I hear this story, I think to myself, how can there not be a God? Because without God, stuff like that just doesn't happen. It doesn't. When God wants to bless people, crazy stuff happens. And he's fulfilling God's mission. I will bless you and all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. And Joseph had to look back in those moments when he was blessing the world. And he had to have like one of those aha moments. Hey, being a slave, being in prison, no matter all the junk that I went through, I understand now why it was worth it. Man, I want to know why. Why do we go through the stuff that we go through, don't you? I want to like be on the other side of Joseph's story. I don't want to be like living in the how. But I hope that someday we'll have that same experience. Because if you have a why to live, you can bear any how. If you have a why to live, you can bear almost any how. And I want to tell you who said that quote. His name is Viktor Frankl, and he wrote this book called Man's Search for Meaning. And he was a Jewish man that survived four Nazi death camps, including Auschwitz. And my wife and I have been to Auschwitz, and I have to tell you, it is the most, I don't even know how to describe, like, you just feel death everywhere you go. And this man survived it to tell his story. And according to Frankel, it was only the prisoners who recognized a meaning and mission for their lives and looked forward to fulfilling it. That was the only way that they were able to survive if they had a why. Because tell me that how is so overwhelming. But he was able to survive because I know why I'm living. And as he reflected on his experience, he was the one from whom I learned. If you have a why to live for, you can bear almost any how. And that was so true for Joseph, but I pray that it would be true about for all of us as well. See, because I believe that if we call ourselves Christ followers, that our identity is to be, are you ready for this? A world 
changer. Now, the reality is we're not ever probably going to become vice president of the United States. But we can make a huge difference right where we're at. If we understand the why, why are we here? Why, are, why has God given us the abilities that he has? Why has he given us the passions that we have? If we understand the why, we can bear almost any how. And how can we change the world? Because practically speaking, life is so busy, and if we do not think about this right now in this like moment of um, quiet, like calm, the loudness of life is going to just overwhelm us as well. Think about that today. How can I change the world? And, you know, practically speaking, when we look closer at the life of Joseph, we also see the life of Jesus played out. Because I'm, I don't want to tell you to just be like Joseph, because um, Joseph was an imperfect person just like all of us too. But when you look at Joseph's life, it points to Jesus' life. And there's something that I see, there's five practices that Joseph lived out, but Jesus did even better, and I want to tell you about those. And it spells out a perfect acronym. It's almost too good to be true. BLESS, B-L-E-S-S. And let's talk about these five practices. First of all, if we want to change the world, we must begin with prayer. Now, I know that... For some of you, that's like, that's such a churchy answer. But I'm telling you, that is where everything begins. Begin with prayer. Because we can only do so much. And when we work, we work. But when we pray, God gets to work. Begin with prayer. That's the very first thing that Jesus did when he began his ministry. He went away for 40 days and 40 nights to pray. It's hard for me to pray four minutes straight, 40 days and 40 nights. And he wanted to talk to God and and to really get close to God. And if we're going to begin to bless people around us, we have got to really be close to God. And we can do that through prayer. For me, my focus of this whole year has been this B, the L, E, S, and S. I'm trying to do that stuff, but I'm trying to... Begin with prayer. And the phrase that I, I just say to myself every day, God, how can I, today can I bruise my knees in prayer? Because the tallest that will ever stand, and this sounds so cliche, but the tallest will ever stand is when we're on our knees. I have found that to be true. I've been praying a lot lately. I don't know about you. I've been praying a lot. The second one is an L, and it's listen. I find it so interesting that Jesus, who's God, he listened to people that he met a paralyzed man and he doesn't just heal the guy because he's like, boom, you're healed. No, he listens and he asks this question, what would you like for me to do? And then he listens. And it's so important that before we assume what people or a community needs, we should do what Jesus did and listen. Don't just offer a solution without listening. The third thing is E, eat. Man, I love to eat, so this is easy for me, but eat. We love this one, and so did Jesus, and he was constantly eating with people. 
whether it was a cook out on the beach with his disciples after his resurrection or inviting himself over to Zacchaeus' house. He loved to eat with people. And you can, you can always get to really know someone well when you eat with them, right? You really can. S, the first S is serve. Once we've prayed for someone, listened to someone, and eaten with them, we get to serve them. Once we're friends, we can love them the way that they need to be loved. We will be able to serve the way that they need to be served. And Jesus was so good at this, whether it was with compassion or miracles or words of wisdom, whatever the the type of service the person needed, that's what Jesus did. He served them the way that they needed to be served. And the last S is story. Story. It's after we pray, listen, eat together, and serve that we earn the right to tell our story to another person. So many times, you know, we want to like say with our words something and we want it to make a difference in someone's life, but no one cares how much we know until they know how much we care, right? You've heard that before. So we have to earn the right to tell our story. And I believe in those moments, the thing that people will want to hear, like, why are you praying for me? Why? You're listening to me. That's so different. You're eating with me. I'm so used to eating alone. You're serving me while everyone else is serving themselves. There's something different about you. Would you tell, my, would you tell me your story? Why are you the way that you are? Because when we know the why, we can bear almost any how. Why is so important. And I want to go back to Joseph's life before I get more into yours, and then we're going to wrap up. Joseph used this blessed practice. He began with prayer. When he was a slave prisoner or with the king in the palace, he was constantly praying, talking to God. L, he was listening. He listened to the needs around him, and he met them. S, he served. He served those who owned him, those who ruled over him, it didn't matter, I'm gonna be a servant. Eat, he ate with the whole country. Because of his wisdom, the whole country ate and they weren't starving. An S, story. I can't wait to tell you, I get to speak with you next week about Joseph telling his story, but we're gonna save that for next time. You see, you and I, I know you're just sitting here like, man, I am hungry, yes, I get the whole eat thing, but sometimes I just don't feel like my life's that special or that important, or I really can't make that big of a difference, but I promise you can. And there's a couple different places that I want you to look for, ways to bless people this week in your life, in your situation. And I wanna tell you real quickly, before those three places, Um, A couple that, there's a family here that has blessed us recently, and maybe you can learn from their story as well. There's been so many people that have blessed us, and and I always hesitate to do this because it's like you're singling one person out, and you're not, you know, telling everybody, but but you get it. I love you guys, right? Everybody, you guys are awesome. Um, Specifically, there's this couple that, it started with a prayer, a prayer that it was like the coolest thing ever. And I'll go ahead and say their name. I won't say their last name, but Matt and Stephanie, they're just a couple that my wife and I have gotten to know recently. And it began with a prayer. 
And we were kind of sharing what was going on with our life at our small group. And, and Stephanie said, I just feel like we should pray right now. Would you mind if we prayed for you? And then, so she got the whole group around me and just prayed for me. And I don't know about you, but when someone prays for you, it's like the most humbling thing in the world, right? Like you would take some of your time up that you're talking to God to talk about me. And she's praying this prayer and she's just like praying with all of her heart. And I'm like, whoa, I didn't even know someone could pray like that, you know? And she's like begging God for my wife. And I'm like, I wanna pray like that for my wife. So when someone blesses you, when they begin with prayer, it just like bonds you closer together. And then the L, you know, so many of you listen to what's going on in our lives. Like one of the things that Katie's been saying, like when someone says, hey, how are you doing? This is what she's tempted to say. Nobody really wants to know the dirty details of what's going on here. But with our small group and with Matt and Stephanie, they have listened And not only listen, but they've laughed with us. Because sometimes the best medicine is laughter. Something that pain medicine can't do. Serve. Excuse me, let's go to eat. Eat. Last night, (laughs) we went went out to this uh, place I can't even pronounce. I think it's like Kelleher's, right? Uh, It's a pretty cool place. And we just like ate. And it was like the first time in a long time where we were like with other adults, you know, not just like with kids. And you like forget how fun it can be to hang out with people your own age, right? When you're just like feeding toddlers all the time. And like you're just eating and you're like, it doesn't matter the quality of the food or whatever, but like it just makes you so, feel so appreciative. Like let's, we just ate together. We shared a meal. And then we went to the ice cream shack. Wow, that changed my life. <laughs> we don't have that back home. And we had this peanut butter cup Sunday, and we hung out with... Both places, we hung out with other couples. It was pretty cool, too. But um, we had this peanut butter cup Sunday. And, you know, like 5, 10, 20 years from now, I will remember that peanut butter cup Sunday, not just because of how good it was, but because we just ate together and we laughed and they listened. And, you know, through that, they also served. You know, our, our small group, you've heard this before, and I don't want to kill it too much because... You're going to be like, yeah, you have the small, best small group. And I'm like, duh. But, um, but they like coordinated meals together. And so we were coming home from Chicago, from the University of Chicago. And I was so tired. I almost fell asleep while driving. I mean, it was bad. But they said, hey, can we have a meal like delivered to you? They were doing something like they had a busy thing going on. And they, they called up Jimmy John's. And Jimmy John's is so freaky fast. And, and they brought it over to our house. And we had dinner that night, and then the rest of our small group like just served us. And through the B, L, E, and S, you know what I keep wanting to say? What's your story? Why are you the way that you are? I know that your life's not perfect either, but why, why are you like this? Because normal people aren't like this. That's what happens when we bless other people. You were just like shocked, like, you mad? I matter? That's what I want every person to feel. Whether or not you're in this church or outside the church, every person we meet, we've got an opportunity to bless someone. And I'm telling you, (laughs) that person will remember it for the rest of their lives. 
And you know what happens when, when someone does that for you? You just want to do it for somebody else. You just want to keep that pay it forward mentality going. So how can we bless the world around us? There are three places that sociologist Ray Oldenburg writes that individuals in our society, we occupy three places, and they're broken down by where we spend the most time. Our first place is our home or our neighborhood. The second place is our job. And lastly, we have like the third place where we want to hang out, our home, our job, and where we want to hang out. And I just want to encourage you this week, as you're going on and you're going 90 miles an hour everywhere that you have to be, begin with prayer. God, who can I bless this week? Because there's a lot of people that need a blessing. L, listen. I mean, listen on Facebook. I mean, you, you and I, we both complain so much that all we hear is drama on Facebook, but Sometimes people are crying out for help and you can listen that way or you can listen at work or you can listen where you work out or whatever. E, I wanna challenge you. Who are you eating this week? Are you just scarfing your food in a break room or in your car or all by yourself? Don't eat alone. Eat with someone. S, serve. Who can you physically serve? I mean, we can serve someone. And I forget what the last test is. But story, thank you. You're awesome. Story. And I, I think the first four are so important that when the story happens, just go with it. Don't like try to like manufacture some perfect story. Just like share. Share whatever God puts on your heart. This is who I am. This is why I'm doing what I don't want anything from you in return. I just want to be a blessing. Because all of us right here, if you say, I am a follower of Jesus, it's your privilege, it's your responsibility, it's such an honor that we get to serve and bless other people. Would you just change the world this week? I know you can. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you so much for this church. I thank you for the opportunity to talk about Joseph's life, to talk about Jesus, to talk about our lives, Lord, and how we can be a blessing to other people. God, I know that there's so many disappointments, discouragements, doubts, all this junk that gets in the way of us being a blessing, but Lord, would you just clear that clutter this week? Would you just open our eyes and open our hearts to people around us so that we could really be a blessing so that we could change the world, Lord, just like you've changed our lives. God, thank you for loving us and for uh, this time together. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.